They did this to you. They're trying to turn us against each other. Just look at them. What do they know about friendship anyway? I'll get them. You watch. I'll take care of those sons of bitches. Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect... These... Getting very careless. Blood in your hair. What will we do? You want to look pretty, don't you? Pretty for me. I can't believe you're not afraid. All you have to do is piss on it. Could you care blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Evil. God, my leg. God, my leg. I'm here. You're here. There's a fog bank out there. Messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. Demanding everything, including blood. John, I want this material burned. All of it. Son of a bitch. Wendy. Stay away! Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. <laughs> well, Dad, are you proud of me now? Do I measure up? Huh? My son, my son was a son of a bitch. And he was no good. That's it. My son is dead. I don't want to talk about him no more. <sighs> Oh, Sandy, you're gonna die. Mater Lacrimarum. Ma'am. Mater Tenebrarum. We didn't find any boy. Mater Suspiriorum. You know as well as I do, it takes all kinds of critters to, to make, make Farmer Vincent fritters. <laughs> I wonder who the real cannibals are. Okay, I'm here with Duncan McLeish, and uh, Duncan is somebody I podcast with on a regular basis. He does podcasts under the stairs or teapots. He has like a two dozen podcasts under that. He does this yearly thing called Summer Series, which is epic, that brings podcasters from all around the world to discuss what the best movies of, you know, the decades are, and it's, it's accumulating to this giant thing and next year. So um, the reason I wanted to have Duncan on is because I like him. He knows a lot about movies. Our tastes kind of line up. 
And he also did this epic podcast with Bo Ransdell about William Friedkin. So having him on to discuss Cruisin', which some people may say is not a horror film. I consider it a horror film from 1980. We're going to discuss it. It's going to be a little bit more freestyle than the ones we have with Troy Haworth and, and uh, you know, Art Editor. And hopefully you enjoy it. There will be some jokes and none at Al Pacino's uh, expense, though. Uh, let's go. Uh, so, I mean, initial thoughts on Cruisin'. I guess we get the plot down. Al Pacino. Hey. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is, I, I mean, I think I, I always go, this is the one that's maybe the most, con- maybe the most controversial freaking movie. And at the same time, I think it's at, at the same point, maybe the most criminally underwatched freaking movie. And a lot of that is just the controversy got so far ahead of the movie that people just didn't want to watch it um, or didn't, or lost interest as soon as they realized that like it involves predominantly kind of homosexual content which is a turn off for a lot of people never been for me i I judge a movie based on a movie it doesn't matter what the you know necessarily the content is it'd be like not watching cannibal holocaust because of the animal violence i get why someone might not want to do that but at the same time i want to experience that movie um so al pacino's a cop um he is put undercover um, in the leather gay scene of New York to try and track down a serial killer who appears to be uh, murdering gay people that he's picking up at these clubs. And that's maybe the loosest uh, sort of synopsis there, but he, he gets absorbed by the lifestyle, like all these cops do when they go undercover. Yeah. By the time they come out, they're different people. And, and the, the cast is amazing. Um, there's so many interesting people from 1980 just starting out and people that you see sprinkled throughout 1980 as a whole. I mean, the movie opens up within the first 10 minutes. You see Joe Spinell and Mike Starr driving around in a police car and Spinell from this year, of course, nine configuration, uh, forbidden zone, but most importantly, maniac and maniac. uh, Same year. I I made a joke about Spinell. when We talked about maniac is people say that, you know, he's a, he hates women. That movie, that movie, William, William Lustig hates women, yada, yada. But in reality, what uh spinel's character is a more chauvinistic hateful person towards women in this movie the closet cop who hates women and resents them um and and this one i mean so right off the bat like if spinel new york 1980 you're like this is already a classic right (laughs) you're you're in there like this is like every movie that was made at this time in new york like i think every critic or any reviewer has ever said well new york's the unsung character of this movie and it really is it's the perfect backdrop and it's a versatile backdrop as well because you could do so many things with it um and for some reason that kind of spiritual twin for how sleazy uh, new york was in 1980 is joe spinell he's like he is the walking embodiment of of that he just looks and we found out a bit of trivia whilst doing the the massive thing on this that the the the, the monologue that he has about his wife leaving him yeah. apparently his wife actually did leave him for the place that he mentions and like all the whole setup was actually happening to spinell at a time so this guy's so so method in his performance that he manages to get that filmed in a movie for all time. Um, and it's out there now. That, that, that actually be, happened to him. So That had to be the porn star wife, right? Because he I married a so. porn star yeah, around that I time, so. probably. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. His performance is great in here. And, and mm-hmm. then he pops up throughout is very, is very good too. And like him staring at you, like when you're in Al Pacino's place, it makes you really feel like a piece of meat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I thought about this. So we're going to spoil the shit out of Cruisin' if you haven't seen yeah. it. 
as as much as as much as we can because it's still <laughs> it, like it has it's even even Friedkin himself has said on several occasions. I mean, I I mean, I don't know who the killer really is. It's more a concept than anything else. There's it would appear there are several killers at work in this, um, and he doesn't really. He doesn't want to tip his hand. I kind of like that. I think there's too many directors nowadays. Like, I, I hate yeah. every time I read an article where Ridley Scott's like, no, Decker was a replicant. And I'm like, did, did I need to know that? I know. Did it, I it, actually need to know that? It kind of kind of ruins the movie. Like, I just want to watch the original cut or Blade Runner interpret it on my own. Like, yeah. people are like, but the Pegasus, you know, that yeah. is a, that's from Legend. <laughs> he took that, that scene from Legend. But, but the thing about cruising, like, I, I the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, so I wonder who the killer, I was a little, I, I, I looked at it more, I guess, forward, straightforward. Yeah. And then. I'd hear like Joe Rubin, he was on the show, the top, secret top 10, and he loves cruising. So he had did this like, tw- he talked about cruising for like 20 minutes. Yeah, he yeah. started bringing up all these like really interesting points and some of which I noticed, but some of which I didn't. And uh-huh. he mentions the stuff that I was like, oh shit, that's so interesting because I noticed this this time more so, you know, in the beginning, they call him the Martian kills yeah. the uh, guy in the beginning. And that's the most, that seems so uncomfortable. Like I feel so bad for that dude. Mm-hmm. And he's also got one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's like, why do you do this? He's like, uh, I'm an egomaniac and I just want to be, what does he say? Oh, fuck. I want to be um, worshipped and adored or something like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's so perfect. Like, that's perfect. But when he dies, he has the voice. Um, I can't believe you're not afraid. That voice. And then when he gets picked up by the guy who, El, it's, a, it's the guy who Al Pacino runs into yep. at the end. He, the voices switch. And that guy yep. has the voice. So you're like, yeah. And you almost feel like a possession thing. But Joe Rubin's predictability was that they're actually possessed by their hatred of their fathers for their homosexuality. Well, so, so the, the voice that you hear is actually the actor that played the father. Yeah, Silverberg. yeah. So it's Which, I mean, like, it's just like so many like and like people. I think it's really easy to to go. Well, I think Friedkin tries too hard in these movies. That to me is like as unless you're specifically looking at that or really deep diving, that is something that could easily fly over the top of your casual viewer yeah. to me which shows a craft that that's there's a specific choice as a filmmaker he does it with actors as well there's um there's a scene where the they, they go into the the, the erotic cinema yeah um yeah, and he, the actors actor. swap yeah, yeah. The, the actors actually so the guy who is the killer swaps places with the guy who's not as in like the, the you know the actors just swap costumes in that scene and it's, it's such a, and it doesn't, the camera doesn't linger on it or anything, but it's it, it's such a weird disorientating detail to kind of throw in there that, yeah. you know, your brain, if you're, your brain almost takes time to catch up with it. And once it has caught up with it, or it's explained to you online, you watch it again, you start to like notice all these other little nuances that he's yeah. doing um, all the way through. And it's all the way throughout the film. It's not just like, one or two things to cause confusion. It's from the start of the movie right through to the end. He's constantly playing with with tones, sounds, uh, visuals, uh, performances. It's all it's all there to 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 kind of get in your head while you're watching it. It's a very clever tool, and it makes perfect sense because Al Pacino looks like the victim, but also the yep. people who kill all have a similar dark hair look. So when he uses the Martian, even though he's supposed to be dead because he was a third victim, but it's the second victim you see, not including mm-hmm. the ones you find in the fucking water, which you assume are a different serial killer because, you know, it really paints a picture. 
in the 70s and 80s that there was just numerous serial killers all the time. Like you hear about the freeway killers and there's like four uh, serial killers operating on the same freeway. So you're like, Jesus, if you're a cop, which they show in this movie, I'm getting sidetracked here, how how much work they were punished with and punished. They were they're completely didn't care about anything because they were so overworked and desensitized. You see it in Paul Servino's face. They do look so fucking tired. Yeah. And he's per- he, he does a wonderful job in this and, and he's just, but you see so, that. Yeah, he's just so like <laughs> sleepy as fuck. And you're just like, I feel you, dude. I feel you hundred percent. And nowadays you don't want to ever say you sympathize with a cop, but this is 1980 New York city. It's a little different. It's a little different. It's a fucking movie. Well, this all is right? the, hate of the, like, the, the other thing yeah. about body parts thrown up. This is the hate of the mob. Yeah, so you In never New York know. City. This is the five families. This is like yeah. like people just appear dead floating in rivers. And that was just the thing. So yeah. yeah. Uh, let me before I forget. So so the Martian, I believe he's the one you see go into the theater on the outside. And yes. then later you see the last shot of somebody dressed like that going in somewhere. And you assume that's probably Al Pacino. You know, you, you, maybe yeah, he's le- been le- yeah. The only thing I could see people, like I said, said, getting upset about this movie is that they could possibly interpret that the homosexual lifestyle brings on some sort of evil or, but I feel like it's more society's pressures that on them that creates it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, I, I, it's a weird, like, cause I, like when I originally reviewed it last year, my, my, I can, I can see particularly, especially this time period in cinema. So this is the same year as um, Dress to Kill. Yeah. Comes out the same year as well, which is equally insensitive in that it's betraying, you know, like. A, a, I'd say a, more. A, I, well, it's De Palma. So it's like instantly, like, you know what I mean? And De Palma was originally linked to cruising. Like and there yeah. was the rosy time period where he was he was lined up to direct this movie. Um, and he did, he kind of kind of wholesale in a De Palma fashion, takes some of the, the elements from this movie and then just like Hitchcock's them into his version of it. Um, but like, will you get like... What, I understand if I was of this culture at this time, which wasn't necessarily getting any sort of yeah, like, and it's not and it's cinema. not straightforward gay culture either. And, no, and so, it's, it's, it's like, like a the underground of, stuff. So, it's a yeah. specific kink of a specific part of gay subculture, right? And it, it's and the thing that like what people might not know is like like this is not just extras that Friedkin got. He actually yeah. went to the clubs and he got people to get involved. But you have another part of society that doesn't like this idea of that. And I understand that like completely. I think time weirdly, as we've become more it's not even tolerant as a society, just become more informed and just better people as time has went on. I think weirdly Or less likely can, to voice your negative opinions in public. Yeah, well, there's. I think there's that as well. I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily agree with something now, but understand that that's a choice in the lifestyle. And to be like, who the fuck am I to say anything about anything? So I'll just the decent you know. people think that way. Well, that's the way they should feel. I think. I, think, I agree. It, like, I mean, any yeah, no, nobody normal person should feel that way. It's yeah, I think like right? look after look after yourself, look after your family, and all the rest, and let other people do what they want. As long as it's not hurting you, then it, you know that's fine. And. I can see where that comes from. I can see where the controversy comes from. I can see even when you hear Friedkin talk about the movie, there is a certain degree of kind of blasé, kind of almost insincerity about 
even how he approaches this, also William Friedkin sounds like a, a more literate Donald Trump, as to be said. It's the same voice. I can't like close your eyes, you hear his voice. But he's actually clever and funny. And That's smart, what I'm saying. He's like which... totally, totally, totally <laughs> intelligent person. Totally is like it's like a weird is like a weird thing. Like politically they don't line up. But no. um the like, when when you when you look at that kind of time frame, you look at the way it's delivered and all the rest, I can see very much people being on the other end saying, Well, you know what? That the, what the movie's actually saying is if you're into all this leather stuff, then you're more likely to be a killer. It's difficult, but I think, but that's like, if you look at serial killers, I know we are big fans of, of kind of like uh, serial yeah. killer documentaries, no, novelizations and yeah. whatnot. You look Not at, big fans in, of serial killers themselves. Just. No. <laughs> <laughs> like in general, the, the psychopathology behind it. Um, I think when you look at that in general, it's like, it's across the board and all walks and manners of life. So I, I think as distasteful as this might come across to some people, there were people like a Jeffrey Dahmer, for example, who was frequenting gay clubs, who was drugging people who were taken back and mutilating them, right? So I mean, there, there were like, several, as, I mean, and, it, and I know this is going to sound negative and I don't even want to get on this. Yeah. But when certain societies are, or subcultures of society are shit on more, they therefore create more psychological trauma to someone, therefore. And also, people exploit those places because they know that. Well, when you know the police are, have zero interest in getting into leather bars oh, and whatnot. Exactly. If you're, yeah, I mean, this is, well, this is the, the, the kind of police racket that we see here at the beginning of this movie involving Mr. Spinell. Um, that whole thing is predicated on the fact that no one's going to believe someone reporting a crime. Uh, you know, it's, it's purely predicated on that. Well, did you get their badge? I think it's Paul Surveillance. Did you get their badge number? You didn't get their badge number. The Simone from Six Precinct. That plays yeah. off wonderfully at the end. And 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 Paul Servino's poker face. He, he's slightly. Yeah. And then he like notices the guy. He's like, who, who lived here? And it, it's registered with John Forbes. He's like, He's just like, uh, how can I even get more tired than him? Because he starts to put pieces together. He's like, well, that guy yeah. wasn't lying. This fucking guy right here. And then he's like, John Forbes lived here. And he's like, oh no, that's bad. Like, yeah. he starts to yeah. think that, you know, and that's a brilliant scene. And it leaves a, a big yeah. question mark. And nowadays they would never ever leave that, or they would have to come out and do the psycho from 1960. They'd be like. Like fucking Ron Sterling would come out and be like, "Well, what if John Forbes was actually?" Yeah, and like you don't like. There's a, like I miss I, I miss the time that you know like, and it's not completely gone, but it's just not the norm now. Where like questions could be asked at the end of movies and not answered, and yeah. the the audience themselves would be left with that question when they left. It's like nowadays everything feels like there needs to be like a neat bow wrapped around yeah. everything. Like no, like you don't want to leave with questions. That's not how life questions. is though. Yeah, I mean, that's literally not how life is. Like you get, you get like any media you consume is one person's perspective of something. It's not that, it's not the, you know, like I, I just, I, I find it, I find it like the, the whole idea that Pacino may have, you know, killed well I, I mean to me he did he, he kills the guy that's beating on his boyfriend from next door like the, oh, no he he doesn't kill the guy who's he kills the uh sorry the yeah the, the, yeah. the nice one the nice which, guy which is crazy and it's like i don't know because he has like because like, you left so you left to, to think maybe that he's killing his a, gay identity or wanting to well, and then at the end, it, like he, he goes to the bar suppressing I, it. yeah maybe by suppressing it. yeah and, yeah but i mean like is, but the movie never like no, it never tells you. Explicitly comes out. It doesn't have to. You have to kind of sit there and go very much like uh, Paul Zavino and sit there and go, 
Oh shit. Maybe, maybe not. But he, uh, Paul Savino's probably gonna get De Simone gone, uh, yep. Joe Spinell. But I don't think he's gonna do anything about uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, well, I think yeah, he feels uh, culpable, culpable for putting. Well, him in he's that the one that put him in that place. position. So yeah, he you put him I mean? under cover. It's the it's the kind of Donnie Brasco thing where yeah. you're just like, uh, um. So I, I mean, I love all that about it, but on top of all that, I think, like I said, I think time has been kind to this movie, and that like the messaging at its core is is always going to have a degree of insensitivity and just a lack of tact. But I think people can look past that to an extent now and actually get into the guts of the movie, no pun intended, and um, start picking out the incredible cinematography, um, the use of colour, the score in this score movie. Score is amazing. Score score has... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but like, it, it doesn't sound like Taxi Driver, Bernard Herrmann's score, but it reminds me of just, just the scene where you see Spinell and Mike Starr and it has the, like the synthy stuff, because I know it's yeah. not a synthy score, but just to drive it around with that music coming in just fits perfectly. Like the score is, is one of the best points. And you, you know, you're, points. you know, you're having an impact when Tarantino wholesale, like takes like, cause Death Proof, uh, the, and when you watch Death Proof, like the, the middle section that cuts between the initial kill and then the second half of the movie, which is kind of essentially him setting up his next kill. The musical cue that kicks in between then is the theme to cruising. So, oh, like, it, it really? I, I, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Tarantino's like 100% in on this one. There's a, a, a leather clad killer, she's murdered some people. We're going to have the cops talking about, you know, what kind of sick pervert could have done this cue the theme song for cruising we're at the we're at the back half of the movie like so it's, it has an impact and i think for a while there was a lot of people out there that maybe felt not shame but maybe didn't speak loudly if they enjoyed the movie and i think that is slowly like labels like arrow putting out blurries, yeah, yeah, that helps. You know, i think that starts to change the the tide and then you get critics and filmmakers coming in and saying you know, actually, this was hugely influential. Um, you know, and some would like, I don't necessarily agree with the politics of the movie or the way it's, but, but like, you can't sit back and say that this isn't a, a marked shift in not only Freakin's career, because the, the 80s are wildly inconsistent for him. Yeah. Um, comes off his most successful year into a bizarre year where he's doing all manner of weird cinema. Um, but on top of that as well, it, it's it's almost like the there's a kind of changing of the guard as well in terms of American cinema itself. Yeah. Like we mentioned, like the aforementioned Maniac, which has that kind of, we're kind of starting to put together what the actual concept of a slasher movie is. And most of them are set in summer camps and all the rest, but there's yeah. these kind of gritty urban slashers that are coming out. And that's not even taking into account that about, what, we're about two years from New York Ripper being released. Oh yeah, and there's yeah. Just, like there's just like a kind of sleazy label but of cinema happening as well that I kind of love. We're carrying over a little bit of the '70s downbeat matters, but it's definitely getting to the '80s special effects and stuff. But yeah. some of them still carry over that police procedural cruising. Of course, don't answer the yep. phone. Yep. Maniac doesn't have that, although it has yeah, yeah. the scene at the very end with Randy Jurgensen, who's also a cop in this movie, who's obviously <laughs> a real life cop who, who did a bunch of these movies. Got told me to. He's he's a very interesting guy. Um, so like, yeah, it's starting to carry over. Like you start yeah. to see the mixture there, and it's its own thing. It, it's unique, um, and it has like that. It has a grindhouse aesthetic still, and a great. It's it's very strange. And this and it's an I exploitation this movie. I mean, this is this is a this is a, at its core. This is an exploitation movie, yeah. but it's an exploitation movie with like 
A A listers and like a like an auteur director yeah. and like a budget like a, like a, a goodness to gracious budget. Same with Dress to Kill. I think doesn't yep. Dress to Kill share a lot of the same DNA as far as 100%. that is concerned. And, and, and 100%. people say that somehow they say Dress to Kill is enough of a horror movie. I'm like, Cruise and Dress to Kill are about the same as horror movies. They both have like equal amount procedural, but. And they have these big sets, murder set pieces like that are 100 percent. And I, I mean, Dress to Kill is like is a more this movie is surprisingly not that bloody. Um, and I, I mentioned this on my last review of it as well. Like yeah. I always assume it's a lot bloodier than it is. And when you hear um, Friedkin talk about it, Friedkin said that he wanted to take the psycho approach yeah. to this, so he didn't actually want you to physically see the knife per se go in he just wanted to edit in such a way he wanted the aftermath to be bloody so when you saw the after effect this was going to be you know it's going to look like something really violent had happened but he didn't really want it to linger on that the actual killing itself and in a lot of respects it's more gruesome because of that the actual setup towards the kill itself is so deeply unsettling um you know the, the wee toys specifically with his with his victims is is so jarring and so nasty that you know like you don't need that after effect whereas the aforementioned camp slasher movies that we talked about yeah like it's the other way around it's like the the, the setup isn't isn't the scary bit it's the actual someone getting caught and stabbed or the surprise yeah. pov angle so it's, it's weird that they're they're kind of playing in the same waters but taking completely different approaches to them i mean even dress to kill isn't a particularly bloody movie it's bloodier than this but yeah. you can't sit there i don't think i'm like you I, I don't think any rational person can sit there and say well dress to kill is definitely a horror movie cruising isn't they're, they're very me, they, they're almost like american giallos is what i would 100%. call them percent i'm sure troy has it in his american giallo book that i have upstairs that i'm not checked <laughs> um but but the the thing that's so perfect about the first murder in particular is that is, is this tension between them and like you know something bad's gonna happen the dialogue is so it, it makes you so uncomfortable so when the actual knife first hits it's the, i watched it with somebody who hadn't seen it they jumped mm -hmm. they were yeah. oh fuck they did that like because it bothered them and, and, and you also get that high tension towards the end with uh pacino yeah. and i can't think of the actor's name but he's really good at it. he's he's one of the best yeah. actors in the film the, the real skinny guy yeah, the thingy oh, cross. Steven, Steve, Stu Rose or Stu Rosenberg or something. Is that his name? Uh, maybe. I have the, the thing is, I have the cast list in front yeah. of me and I could find it. It's okay. But, I, uh, but we know <laughs> that the, the main killer will put, he, he's really good in that. And yeah. So, like, it, it's like, that's great too. Like, so, so, like, there's just a lot of interesting stuff here that, so, so I do think it's like he calls it a possession film. Joe Rubin said it's a possession movie. Mm -hmm. And I could see that. But I, you could go like a fallen thing, where yeah. they, like the person who kills gets killed next, or but it doesn't unfold exactly like that. It, it's clearly confusing to the state where like it's confusing for the police and it confuses you. Yeah. But it also puts you in the position where you're possibly. It, it's such a strange film in that aspect, and I always, I thought it was really interesting. Fact, I mean, it never settles. It never really settles on case closed. Yeah, like the police on some level, but that like even when the police are like, we've got our killer case closed, and the guy sitting there saying, "Well, I never hurt anyone," um, and I then never like, anyone. Yeah. yeah, I never, I never, I never killed anyone, and then and with that voice again that comes yeah. back, that overdubbed father voice that comes out, but then, like you said before, like the that that last shot of someone from behind walking in, like that is, uh, you know, there's there's a potential a possession aspect. It's not just a commentary about. 
like evil as a concept. Yeah. Which is kind of the exorcist as well, to that extent. Evil, evil as a concept just exists. You well, you lock up killers, but that doesn't mean killing stop. You know, they still they still happen, and as long as 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 long as humans are the de facto dominant species on the planet, we will find ways to kill each other. And I, I like those. I like the fact that, like I say, at the end of this movie, the scene continues on. But also the threat continues on because yeah. that's that's the way things are. Like it's never gone. So So like we we like uh like I don't want to take credit for it, but Joe Rubin suggests that Al Pacino was the one putting the bodies in the water and just changing. Potentially. Them. Yeah, yeah. It could be anybody. But also like they set up Al Pacino is starting to get dangerous. Like you start to actually fear for his wife, who's cast perfectly as Karen Allen, because all I see is sweetness in Karen Allen. So absolutely like, love her. Yeah, when she's a, love her in this. When she's around Al Pacino, I'm just worried. Like I, I'm like, I yeah. want her to be safe. And like, so they they did that really well, having Pacino be around her. So you start to think Pacino is being overtaken by it. So it's not that far of a leap when uh, mm -hmm. the end scene comes together. So like, I think it, it comes together perfectly with uh, Paul Servino, and I think it opens really well with Spinell and all that coming together and everything like that. Um, just a couple other people I should mention that I find really funny that are in this is uh, Gene <laughs> Davis. Um, yes. as one of the male prostitutes, which is great because I, I love that he was in 10 to midnight and like as the guy, the naked guy. And it's just like, I was like, Nick's a good female prostitute. Or not, it, it, like, he looks great in drag. He yeah, looks I absolutely mean. great in drag. It's like <laughs> such, a, such a great performance. Like, I'd, like, I wish I could look that good in makeup. It's no awesome. shit. Um, I mean, you got Ed O'Neill in here as just perfect. Like, cop, that's I mean. like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh my good God, oh my God. I know you're going to mention. Uh, you can mention him. As well. Oh, I was going to, I was, I thought you were going to mention Powers Booth, but I was going to say, oh, Powers, Powers Booth has maybe like, like there's a, there's like a whole, like there's a whole world where I just want to have Powers Booth just explain things to me in a nonchalant kind of completely disinterested in the thing. <laughs> he doesn't even, he's just, they're selling shit. Like he's like, you can buy something or not. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like he, he's not into it. He don't care. Um, but uh, man, who would have thought James Remar looked that good in short shorts? Like I, I there, never was, there was a time. There was yeah. a time. Man, where... Ajax, a, he yeah. went from Ajax to the year later being that. You're like, you would have yeah. never guessed that he had that much range, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's an actor that just pops up at a lot of cinema. And he's always good, yeah, I mean, like surprisingly good. Like, cause you think when you're a kid, you're like, oh, he's the Raiden replacement. How could you, oh, he sucks. And then like, you, you think back, you're like, you know what? I actually think Christopher Lambert kind of sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah James Remar's yeah. the best, you know what I mean? He's the better version, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not like, the better Raiden, he's the better yeah. actor. Yeah, like that's, I think that's maybe when I, he first came on my like, like radar as Raiden, uh, like properly when I was just like, all oh, right, I know he is. But then after that, it's like, just weird performances like he appears in that um he's in hellraiser 5 for no reason at all like zero reason he's in that movie and Black then daughter yes Black Black daughter. and then a huge arc in um, the dexter tv show which oh, i think yeah. he's absolutely fucking brilliant and i think that's where most people nowadays know him from without knowing that like all the way through the 80s um so like at least from these 80s and 90s he's just a great american character actor that I just mean, appears in movies he's in a bunch of walter hill stuff i think yeah. I, I feel like he's the one who has the knife fight what the fuck is the one where they have that big ass long knife fight they're tied together i know um i, I know the movie it's not long riders is it it's long sounds like it's probably I, long riders yeah i, I think it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I think it is. So, like, he's in a lot of shit. And he's always mm-hmm. really solid. He's good at this, too. Like I said, um, like, you have all these p- people popping up. Um, it even got the fucking dad from American History X with a big yeah. old fro. It's just <laughs> it's just a great cast. And it's just a it's a who's who. Everybody's perfect in it. Um, and it just feels right. Like, it just yeah. feels like the perfect movie for the perfect time. How would you stack this up against other 1980 horror films or exploitation films? See, I think, personally, like, I think this is... It's weird because I, we were talking about this just before we we went live. Yeah. And I was saying, yeah, to me, it's a horror movie. Like, it's always been a horror movie. And then when I... Like, if I was to sit down and do my top 10, uh, like, horror movies of 1980... There's too many I, good I, ones. Yeah, this is the problem. It's like it's one of those ones where you start then try to look at the, you try and force it out by well, it is horror, but it's kind of it's horror exploitation, so it's kind of sits in its own little bubble here. But these movies are more horror, so they go up to the top. I think like if you're being subjective as a movie, like like well, not even so, like if you're being like objective, <laughs> objective, not subjective, objective like, as a movie, this is top tier for me for top the year tier. because it, like it mixes so many great elements of exploitation, of horror, of crime and grittiness, of amazing cinematography, amazing score, powerhouse performances. Like, if you look at all that across the board, it's, you know, it's a top-tier movie. I think what kind of brings it down in terms of other horror movies that are around there is, um, you know, is, is the fact, like we said before, it feels like it's like an, it's almost like if you were doing a list of exploitation horror movies, then... It's yeah. totally sitting there, and by lumping it in an already heavily stacked year, it kind of gets lost in the mix against more quote unquote pure horror movies. And but more it's an inc- influential like, it's an incredible movies, movie. too, right? Like yeah. movies that people reference all the time in the horror genre, like Cannibal Holocaust, Friday the 13th, uh, The Fog. There's just a lot. Yeah. Honestly, this year is probably top five years of horrible. The Shining. Like the Shining's, na- like the Shining's it's 1980. Just, it's just fucking nuts. There was something in the water that year. I mean, you got Carpenter, <laughs> Fulci, Argento, all making movies, Kubrick, and it's just yep. insane. It's got to yeah. be one of the strongest years of all time, to be mm-hmm. honest, in, in terms of, of top tier horror. At least 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. good movies. That doesn't happen. Yeah. 40 watchable movies like that you yes. would put as like a seven or above, at least. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm, I'm a high rater, so I'm like, I got, I'm, a, I'm like, I got like nine, ten out of tens because I'm crazy. Like, I just can't help it, you know. What I mean, like, I, I it's started a great looking... year, man. It's a great year. I like, we should never, we should never apologize for for sitting down and looking at just an incredible, like a, a year that is just never going to happen again in no. terms of overall quality. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get years which have great horror movies, but when you're seeing directors release either some of the best material they've ever done. Or like, are, you know, are releasing like, uh, you know, they're working on the, the highest level of operation just across the board, releasing different sorts of movies as well. Yeah. Like the, you, if you look at that, you look at the top five horror movies from 1980, none of the, any of them from the top five are really the same movie. No, you know what I mean? They're no. not like, like, like it's not five slashers or anything like that. Whereas there's other years you can put the going through. Oh, well, that, that was the year that Supernatural movies became really prominent. And there's three amazing ones in my top 10. It's not like that. And that's kind of one of the reasons, again, why Cruising stands out. Because it is so different. You could say in a weird world, it's kind of like Maniac. It exists in a similar yeah. bubble to that. But then in the same sense, you can say it exists in the same bubble as Dress to Kill. I would never say Dress to Kill and Maniac are in the same bubble no, together. So it's but like this a, one somehow like, 
you know, like the two circles and then <laughs> yeah, it's a Venn diagram. It's a Venn diagram right? of yeah. like what happens if those two like that's to connect it. It's it's so strange, but it, it somehow occupies both levels comfortably without trying to be both. And yeah. I think that's what I love about it is like it's a uh, it, like freaking movies tend to be very difficult to quantify at the best of times. Like yeah. if you watch like a movie like Deliver Die in LA, like when you watch that, it's definitely it's a it's a cop action movie. But there's a whole lot happening under the surface where you're like that. Actually, this is there's a heavy drama element here, and there's like it just seems to be genre kind of fluidic. Doesn't like, like necessarily need to lean on any one aspect. I think it's also why that when he talks about The Exorcist the way he does, he calls that a drama like, like, he's like to me it was always a drama movie but th- um, there's those movies like yeah we consider it a horror movie because i think it's horror because it's super tons of shit but it also yeah. inspired an entire genre similar to jaws yes. which some people yeah. say is not a horror movie similar to deliverance which is a huge i don't know if it's a horror movie but yes yeah. that in texas chainsaw inspired like a giant exploitation thing a which whole, we would never have like a whole so day like, still inspiring people it's yeah. like it, it's still physically inspiring people to this day so like yeah. it's difficult to but yeah i mean if you're talking about 1980 I, and i think over time more people are coming around to it and i, I think agree. like we mentioned before like labels like arrow putting out this as a blu-ray and people discovering it i remember when it was released and people were like you could see people get, that was coming through what, what have i just watched have i never seen this before that's the exciting thing that's where those labels start to do like really good work when they start taking movies like that giving them a bit of a market and a push that people that are already starting to get into like jallos or like all this genre stuff start to sit down and watch movies like this and there'll be a whole sea of people that have seen knife plus heart right i love it yep and and watch that movie and loved it but are not aware like i've never heard of cruising before and you're like that go back (laughs) just go back and check that movie out so if i had to pick two movies that i think cruising inspired heavily i would go knife plus heart and the second would be stranger by the lake i love stranger by the lake that's a great movie too that's one where i watched and i was like i need to watch that right again pretty quickly right after it's a great movie too and i love how that ends with the uh the darkness and the shit it just leaves a real good question mark similar to cruising yeah and it's also but you get the same level of people that turn off that movie or have not watched that movie because of the homosexual content and i would say the homosexual content stranger by the lake's much more extreme like it's actually 100 and and like cruising i mean (laughs) like like, yeah i mean so like stranger by the lake i mean I don't know. I feel like cinephiles don't care too much, like especially mm. horror cinephiles or, or I agree. They they've seen so much shit, like they don't care anymore. Like they've yeah. dug the trenches to see like I, it's funny. Like if you can't see a dick and be you're like, oh my god, it's a dick. It's like you just yeah. watch that fucking sea turtle get killed for real. Like I mean a dick. Yeah, a hundred percent. Do not yeah. have a mirror in your house, bro. <laughs> Relax. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> Gay or straight or in or, or bisexual, whatever. You're gonna be okay if you see a, yeah. a body part you're you don't typically attract it to. You're gonna be okay. Yeah. They're the so same I, people that'll go and see the new Jackass movie and talk yeah. about how amazing it is, and that is all dick. <laughs> like that's there's so much dick, there's so much cock in but that there's movie. Fart it's jokes. unbelievable. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen it. I mean, but yeah. So like in terms of like also about 1980, which is really funny, is um, like we, we were discussing that too. Like it, it, there's so many movies that like top tier arguments. Yeah. Like if somebody's like, I think Friday 13th is the best and deserves a spot, you'd be like, Well, yeah, it does. And you're like, somebody's like, Oh, I think The Fog. You're like, Yeah, man, The Shining. Yeah, like, yeah. Maniac. You're like, yeah, City of Living Dead. You're like, Yeah. I mean, like, but if you can, it's so funny. Like, because all those movies deserve the because they're so different. 
Like they're so different, but so unique and so like trailblazing, like all yeah. of them, like so much. So, like I said, this is a great year and like comparative cruising, like, you know, I had my top five in my head, cemented mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm not saying they're the best. They're my personal favorites. I, you know, I have these tastes that a lot of these movies I saw when I was, you know, 10, to like 13, 14, stuff I shouldn't have seen that it left a lasting impression and damaged me sometimes, irreversibly so. And that forever <laughs> they'll be at my top because I have that fondness and the, that whore with them. So like uh, this one, like I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, it's definitely going to be in my top 10. And then rewatching them, like it's creeping up. Like I was like, I don't know, it, technically the, one of the best movies in the fucking year. And I consider yeah. it horror enough. So it's like, like I'd be stupid not to. But then you look like when I'm going to make my list, I'm like, you're going to have to knock something out. Yeah, we're doing a top 25 this year because we can't. And I'm like cutting my top 25. Like, I'm going to include exploitation. And I'm just like. Where the fuck does Exterminator? Because like, if yeah. we're talking exploitation, it's on the list. I mean, who oh, does, yeah, like, who's talking be. Exterminator? Like, I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to have to cut off from a 25. Like, yeah. and in reality, if you were to take any year, like from the, I, I love the early 90s, but if like, say, Tear Train, for example. Yeah. Tear Train's making my list in almost any year from 1990. It yeah, might yeah. not make my top 25 in 1980. And Tear Train's yeah. a great movie. So I'm just like, that's fucked. Well, that's why that's why I'd like as one of the reasons like I set the parameters on the podcast under the stairs oh, summer yeah. series the way that it is, but also at the same time I realise and I, I say it always at the start of of every season of those recordings that it is the most inaccurate, most unfair, <laughs> most uh, I delegitimise the list making process as soon as I start with that rule because it cre- it means every every year is created equal and that is not how cinema works no, so not at all. like you say like there are there are so many movies in 1980 that would not make uh, like a, a like a top 15 for that year that are you could put them into the 90s easily and they're top tier it's just absolutely insane so it's <laughs> fucked like like the changeling <laughs> is better than almost any like and it's <laughs> Changeling make my top ten? Probably yeah. not, and I don't. And that's embarrassing because yeah. I like trash. But yes. I like I, I'm not making the best of making a personal favorite list. Yeah. So, so you'd put this on uh, William Freakin on. I think you've rated this high in top five material, right? Yeah, it, 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 it fell. I think essentially it fell at number six for me and the best of freaking movies and the only movies that kind of went up i lost out to live and die in la which okay. that's another movie that slowly creeped up for me um and it's got another it's gonna like powerhouse performance by willem defoe um and that which is just jaw-droppingly i great. need to see it i've, I've bought oh, it, like, dude, that is, watched it. Like, isn't that weird i should watch it it's, it's just i don't know it's one of those things as well where you're watching it just like that like how could it just not continue making movies like this because this is the same decade he made um <laughs> he made like these uh tv movies these like almost I know rampage eat- and i've seen jade and rampage and the guardian believe it or not oh, i haven't seen dude. sorcerer or live and let die but i've seen jade rampage and yep. the guardian and sorcerer is now my favorite i i put yeah. it above i put it above exorcist which is yeah. weird to think that because to me like exorcist is almost unimpeachable but sorcerer is just is such a grueling watch like you are physically fucking exhausted at the end of it um i just I'd like it's just a different level and this just but the thing is i watched this movie what three nights ago now four nights ago for this and at the end of it again i'm like that you know 
as it stands just now, because I've not watched Deliver and Die LA again, it's above it. But the next time yeah. I watch Deliver and Die LA, they're both sitting about the five mark for me comfortably. I think it's it's one of those rare examples of a director who dips in and out of interest in certain genres. And whenever he comes back, he just seems to be able to like just deliver. I don't know if it's lightning in a bottle. He's clearly got an, uh, an immense back catalogue of movies, but whatever it is about that, this particular movie, it just feels so ahead of its time um, in a lot of respects, but very much of its time. So it's oxymoronic yeah, yeah. that way. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I don't know. I, if you've never seen it before, I, you, ha- you, you definitely need check, to it out. check it out. It's incredible. Um, I should mention we, we didn't talk too much about Al Pacino and Al Pacino was a guy that I always I was a De Niro guy growing up so I was like Pacino yep. he's good but uh, the, the thing about Pacino is man he's got guns like in 1980 most actors would not do this most mm-hmm. actors would I don't think De Niro would have done this I don't in well, 1980 well, I don't think anybody would have except Freakin didn't want him like Freakin like famously Freakin wanted Richard Gere which makes more sense. I mean. Yeah, which 100% makes more sense when you see Pacino's performance in this. Yeah. Like, you think of Pacino, you think, like, an embodied, powerful performance. Yeah. That's what he does. It's, he's the hooah guy, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he's the, that's his performance. In this one, very subdued, very, yeah. like, blank in a lot of respects, which is deliberate because, once again, he gives away too much, then, you know, that inflects yeah. maybe the ending. He's, there's like, he's kind of like the empty vessel in a lot of extent, like, for, for a lot of the movie. But, like, you see, like, and also at this time, Pacino was seen as, he was in a bit of a slump. Yeah. Like, filmically, he hadn't really had a hit in a while, um, which is bizarre because he would then, you know, like, not long after this, um, be in Scarface uh, with the Palmer. So there oh, we go. Yeah, it's like yeah. the circle of life. And then all of a sudden he's shot, he's rocketed back up because he's done those Godfather movies, which were huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then Serpico, too, was around this time, right? Not too that's far right. Off. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he, he got there, but the, he was, oh, was he, is he becoming too typecast? Is he, you know, all these things that were going along. So he takes a risk and he makes a movie which, you know, he, he knows himself. He must have known there's going to court controversy with a director who courts controversy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and fair play to him. I think I think he's really good. I think it'd be so easy to play this as a mustachey twiddling villain in parts, or really go over the top one way or the other. I think he manages to hold a very subdued performance, kind of perfectly through this. Yeah. It's, it's all through his eyes, like when he sees from the other side that police brutality. Because that's like, there's so many weird scenes. Like, oh, the, like one the of the cowboy, scenes, we should mention the cowboy hat guy. It is, it's still one of those scenes where I'm the guy that's getting beat up going, who is this guy? <laughs> why is he fucking in here? And why is he hitting me? It's no like a, a, a guy with a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and a pair a of... Jock very, strap. Yeah, very colourful jockstrap. Walks in to a, like a gay suspect they're holding and then just beats the shit out of him. And Al Pacino, he slaps him so he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah, that that seems really crazy. It's so bizarre. It's like it's a fever dream. You're just watching it going, and this is the guy while he's getting hit. He's just like, who is this guy? And I'm like, I'm with you. Is anyone? And freaking, no, they never explain it. 
weird cop training. Like, that's how we get the psychology of the homosexual man. It's like, we know it's, it's like, I don't, they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. I, I don't know what class that was taught at the academy, but, uh, you know, I don't, uh, the police Paul, academy would be a completely different movie if that was a scene in it. It should have been. But <laughs> Paul Servino, um, they had 12 sequels. They could have squeezed it in somewhere. Yeah. Paul Servino, he, he gives a good line, which is, it's like, he's like, yeah, some days you're going to like holler like three or four little small guys that are weird and you don't know why and you know what i mean it's like it's just part of the job which is is, is a cold way to look at it but also yeah. it's a little comforting in the fact that i know this is horrible to say is at least paul servino doesn't hate the people no. he has no, no he doesn't even it's almost like he's surpassed that stuff and he just looks at it as a job he has to because otherwise he's just in hell i guess well, well the other thing is like they're like like for all the police in action in this movie to an extent with them not following up or things like that they are embedding someone undercover to find a serial killer that's killing gay people yeah so there is there's the kind of duality here the cops like aren't necessarily nice at all in this movie in fact no. it's like a, a a fairly bleak portrayal of them which a lot of people maybe have come around to nowadays but it's oh, a, yeah. it is a fairly stark especially the opening two cards yeah a hundred hundred percent but like you like mentioned it's also against the backdrop of new york in 1980 was just as it's, it's like there's a reason they did the movie escape from new york right and the, yeah. the two places were very similar at the time um and you know it was like a like a, a, a den of villainy and what you have is you have a like a cop that's kind of worn down by what he's having to do, but at the same time though, he's still embedding a police officer to get answers, and he's like, he's not all that. He's like taking care of this guy. You know, they do meet up. I love though, as well that the detail about the steak knife, so that like the killer's weapon yeah. is the steak knife, which you see being used in restaurants. You see in all different scenes. There's various different characters carrying this same knife as well, adding to that kind of ambiguity of who the killer is so when he actually this is what we're looking for we're looking for a knife like this and then later on you see a woman in a restaurant eating yeah. and she's using the same knife well that's some jack like, the ripper police right there they're like well you yeah, have to yeah. be a surgeon so look at the surgeons and, and they do some, some they have not much to go on so like i yeah. think they originally center on the one character at the end because yeah. he went to the school with the uh yes with the teacher who was initially murdered the one that we don't see first killed so like right. yeah, i yeah. think that's how they they pin him and like yeah yeah so it's also it's like some comedy when you just look out your window and you see al pacino like watching you like yeah you be like, <laughs> is al pacino? like why is al pacino out there <laughs> so they do that and you see that guy pop up two or three times along with spinel yeah. like yep. and just watching spinel cruise is an all like it i don't know i, I want to see frank zito versus this cop see which characters <laughs> comes out on top she ain't gonna make a fool out of me takes the kids and goes to florida to see his sister leaves me a note 10 years they're all scumbags what they're all scumbags who all of them you're better off. Just drive the car, huh? You'll be driving this car the rest of your life. What do you know? You don't know nothing. I get that bitch. She ain't gonna jerk me around. I'll get her. You'll get her. Damn straight I will. One day this whole city's gonna explode. Used to be able to play stickball on these streets. <laughs> Now look at these guys. Christ, what's happening? 
um so yeah like and like i said i i don't have too much more to say about it i just think it's a it's a great movie it's one that i think it's better on multiple viewings it's yeah. interesting it's interesting too you can talk about it a lot and that goes a long way with film because like, there's a lot yeah. of movies i adore from 1980 um like one of my all-time favorite creature features um humanoids from the deep but what yeah. can we say i mean humanoids from the deep has more to talk about than one would expect to be honest there's a lot yes. going on yeah, yeah, surprisingly yeah. but like alligator again more to talk about than one would expect my favorite yes. animals attacks movie not the best mm-hmm. of course but my favorite so it's just like those movies i think they do have something to talk about but not as much as cruise that makes sense. yeah there's a, there's a kind of there's a, there's um there's a part of me that feels that you are rewarded more than just an entertainment value for revisiting cruising there's yeah. so many there's so many like chicken soup for the soul like 1980s horror movies that you re-watch because they gen you just have a ball watching them like everything about them just it makes you happy to watch this why we love the genre and then there are other movies that i feel that like with every viewing you can almost approach it like depending on your mood when you approach the movie you can take that movie in a completely different direction or come up with weird theories or or you know i i that cruising exists in that world you can watch it just at face value and at the end it think well they caught the killer and there's only one killer and that's what happens um but then there's well, a, you know a, there's not one killer because the the second kill the guy who kills the first guy gets killed next so you're like yeah huh. it's like so there's something like but like if there's a there's a there's also a, a, a kind of rewarding value of kind of going down rap this is a rabbit hole movie like you can go yeah. down so many different rabbit holes watching it come away with completely different feelings ideas concepts conspiracies at the end of each watch and there's a there's a place for that and i think that's why like my biggest takeaway from watching it last year which was the first time i'd seen it in years was yeah i got to the end of it and i i kind of thought to myself why am i not watching this like every year like why isn't this like a yearly thing like i pick yeah. a day and that's i watch cruising, cruising on that day every year i'm cruising that day it's my cruising <laughs> day uh, what, like it's that sort of movie that I, I genuinely don't think i would ever get sick of it and that's the that's the interesting thing for me is those those movies where you come like when you either discover them or you come back to them after a while and you sit down and you start to appreciate them and i'd like had i seen this when i was 15 for example there's absolutely no way I would have come out with any sort of depth in this movie at all. I would have come out with the most vanilla, this is what happens in this movie. And yeah. the older I've got, the more I've appreciated the subtext, and the more I've appreciated the, the culture, the messaging. And the cast too. Because like the as you get older, ridiculous. Yeah. these people just like stick out to you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like as you get older, like there's certain actors, character actors that you just like gravitate towards. And then, yeah. then you start to know their backstory in real life. And then you gravitate towards them. Like Spinell. Yeah, like you know, Spinell and like people like that, like Warren Oates. You're like, well, I'm just gonna watch anything they're in and just watch them, even yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck they do, because they're just interesting to that. Like, and they're just all part of that world. And mm. yeah, so so this one, like I said, there's a lot going on here. And, and again, like I hadn't watched Humanoids. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. I watched it all the mm-hmm. fucking time. And then I rewatched it. And I was like, I forgot how much I loved this movie. Like, yeah. this is the easiest movie to watch of all time. It's 80 fucking minutes. And it's nonstop <laughs> insanity. Like, 
it's inappropriate as fuck at times, but also like way ahead of its time in other ways. So like, it's just the perfect exploitation horror movie because it's, yeah. it's got the, you know, you get your, what your cake and you can have eat it too. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, like, but cruising, like, it's just on a whole new level. Like you could recommend this to people that aren't going to like freak everybody. It's almost, it almost became like a pop culture thing. Like some people do know it, but they don't really reference it because they probably a lot of like middle-aged guys like that aren't in the movies don't want to be associated with cruising i'm sure this is this is like i say that it almost feels on and it was the the, the conversation that i had with bo on that recording where he was just like like i was aware of the controversy about it and i kind of just it just put me off ever wanting to watch it and i'm like that you know if anything i'm the other way around like when i hear like when i hear controversy about a movie i'm like i'm gonna watch it make up my own mind it's the reason yeah. that when like um like a Serbian film was banned in the UK originally. The thing was released heavily edited. Uh, but when it was originally banned, I was like that. Looks like I'm going on the high seas to find it. Um I'm gonna watch this movie. Um, you know what I mean? Is is that way where I'm like like and it's probably because I'm more uh, like in my country anyway, I I grew up I was very young when it happened, but I grew up yeah, in the yeah. era of the video nasties. So like the a definitive list of 72 movies that the government says you shouldn't watch. And I'm like that. Well, you've just given me a list of 72 movies that I now have to watch. Thanks. For better um, or worse, on some of them. Turns out most of them are not good. Uh, but, <laughs> I've seen most of them. Yeah, fact, most of them most should of be on the list. Going to just... be off that list. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I was, but I know exactly what you mean. So, I, yeah. yeah, like I, I feel that way too. But these movies, like. I'm starting to get old, super like not super old, but old enough to where the fact that I watched some of these movies when I first saw them at, you know, like 10 to 15, mm. I'm seeing them change culturally. Like, yeah, when cannibal Holocaust was respected. It was mm-hmm. a, it respected as like the extreme movie, but people respected the message. You know, like it's very smart. And now mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are just like, you know, with the Twitter social media age, are just fucking hating on it without yeah. understanding some of the messages. They it's can't context. get past the stuff. The context matters. It yeah, really does. 100% does. And movies change with time and so do you mm-hmm. but i feel like um any movie that can keep you talking about it for 20 30 years 50 years is probably more historically important than most of the movies you like like 100 like you can't appreciate on some I, I talk about this i do a music podcast as well and i talk about that it mostly covers kind of more kind of on the metal and rock side of things yeah. but what i talk about is i'm not i'm not an iron maiden fan never been an iron maiden fan never will be an iron what? maiden fan I, I just don't like iron I'm, maiden i'm just kidding i'm kidding yeah like i just i can't i can't do it i like, if you like them brilliant but i'm not but then like i will like bands that are clearly influenced by Iron Maiden and the argument is always you know well if you like that band you need to like Iron Maiden because without them you don't get that I, me and, and Herschel Gordon Lewis like well, I respect is, the shit out of Herschel Gordon Lewis but I think he's a hack I'm sorry this, this is what I'm saying I but you wouldn't like I like in music we don't talk about like in movies for some reason we talk about like trying to almost remove things out of of the culture you know just like yeah. remove this movie should be removed banned whatever cancelled whatever the, the terminology we want to use like it should just be gone but then you're removing an important part of where cinema diverts well you'll have a and big puzzle the context on the wall and there'll be yeah. missing pieces everywhere 100 percent. like all these stuff, movies have yeah, an impact they do for sure and each one is a stepping stone to something else um, yes and cruising certainly is cruising yeah. is like the link about cruising certainly is for for whatever you consider for better or worse it, it was putting forward 
a a part of society that I'd never right granted this in a murder mystery, but yeah. it was put in a, a, a part of society that just was never given any time at all. I would argue here's here's a point, and this is where this is where I get cancelled. I would argue that this portrays people in the kind of leather bondage, you know, nightclub gay scene better than a movie like Police Academy does. I'm sure, I'm sure. Or Which like... they go into that, the Blue Oyster Bar, and every time they go in there, it's like hideous music and people leering over each other in a way which just doesn't befit and it's comedy movies kind of were weapon always really you know what i mean in the 80s comedies movies yeah. they were always poor and, and that kind and of no thing. one says anything about police academy so like, no one should be saying anything about cruising the first victim in cruising is genuinely yeah. you feel horrible for yeah like, I, I, the only yeah, one you don't is the second one because he was the guy who killed the first one so you're like yeah. he can go he yep. can go in the mood in terms of film logic he can die yeah, uh, yeah. but you know we should also mention it's what do you that. call it it's, uh, it's be a blood syndrome yeah you know um, we're like the person that kills the person dies straight away and you're like whoa what's happening here yeah that's that's wonderful too like uh who's here you know i'm here yeah. you're here that that whole yeah. little thing adds that element of creepiness and stuff so like i don't have anything too much more to say i love the movie i think it's great um and it's one that i think people should check out if they haven't that's newsflash cruising is a good movie <laughs> al pacino is a famous actor and william Friedkin is one of the best directors of all time uh uh, uh you know said they goes. really knew what they were doing that's, that's like me like there's so, like thought? i said there's just so much silly shit like where it's just like when you go to look and it's like the same actors in all the 80s movies like giovanni liberto radici yeah. joe spinel pa- jamie lee curtis it's like there's like six actors that are in every fucking movie yeah, this year every single movie um, she's, the, <laughs> she's walking from set to set oh uh, so so let everybody uh know where your podcast is at and all that stuff and your youtube channel i know you do have a smaller youtube channel like trying to it, it's hard to get yourself from the podcast and yeah. vice versa like i don't do well on the podcast formats but i get more views on the youtube so yeah I, I keep threatening i think the problem with the youtube thing is i think if i committed to doing it i like i'm i might make traction but anytime i've ever put anything on youtube because it doesn't have the instant effect that my podcast does i i kind of go that What's the point? And I'd, I'd like I exactly forget right, yeah. that my first three years of being a podcaster, no one listened. Um, <laughs> like it takes time to generate an audience in the medium, and I, I somehow forget that. Um, so I'll, I'll stick to just the, the, the podcast format anyway. I'm going to be doing YouTube stuff next year, but I've been saying that every year for the past seven years. So um, there's always time happen. until there's not. The hundred percent the YouTube is gone. Um, yeah, uh, you can check me out on it's the podcast is called Podcast Under the Stairs. The website is tputscast. That's t p u t s c a s t dot com. Links to everything I do there. So the podcast under the stairs main feed, as well as the Teaputs Collective, which is like a sister feed, like an amalgam of lots of things I do. Which is a video nasties podcast called Doing the Nasty, which is working through the tier three nasties at the moment. Um, there's a show called Where to Begin With, which every season I pick a genre and then pick 10 movies that I think kind of will get you interested and round out your knowledge. This season I'm doing just now is film noir, neo-noir. Um, there's one called Opera Omnia, which this season is inviting guest hosts on to talk about European horror movies. So they're each bringing a European horror movie and we're discussing it on the show, which I've never done before. I used to just do concepts of yeah. European things like vampirism in European cinema. Um, and then there's also... Um, no, it's Chronicle. Opera Omnia is the one that does the director stuff. So, and I pick a director every season and then run the, the gambit with a guest host for the entire season. Just Franco is next time. Dude, like, 
Mark Ball, who does doing the I heard him say it. I, I forgot like, he did mention. I that. Almost, he has no idea, right? I like he doesn't. He clearly doesn't. He, like, the thing is, he watched. He watched a movie and he was like that. This is kind of fun. And the thing is, like when I got that drunk message from him, he hadn't finished that movie. Because by the time he finished that movie, it was like that. I didn't really like that movie. And I was like, there are so many movies like that from Franco where they start off, you're like, this is really interesting. And then you clearly see he's just trying to get through it so he can make the next movie. So, and there's hundreds of them. Um, and that's I just love the ones Franco, under his name. Some are rough. <laughs> some are totally rough. So, yeah. So, Podcast Under the Stairs is the main one, though. It's the one I've been doing for... 10 years next year and you mentioned the summer series yeah. which is about to kick up dave's involved with that he's all dave also does like box set stuff for me yeah. and uh, it's a ton of fun i always have a like an absolute ball chatting about movies with you because i feel like you mentioned before i think at, at times our, our sensibilities are very very similar but i also think your approach to movies like inspires me to be a bit more you've got a lot of energy and that inspires me to be a bit more energetic. There are plenty of recordings where I have guests on and just the lethargy is rife. <laughs> because we're like, like, I mean, we both watched this movie. Okay, well, I suppose we should talk about it. We Sometimes there's that. not much to talk about. So you're just yeah. like focus on a guy's mustache for 20 minutes. You're like, do you think he's Let's talk about the mustache. Like, I mean, what else? You, that's that's what I do. It's like, whatever. This guy looks like Humphrey about. Bogart. Let's talk about it for 20 minutes. Love Sometimes it. you want to talk about the cinematography and get down to it because it's so great. <laughs> Sometimes you just have nothing to say except that you wonder what they catered on the set because everyone looked you, bloated. Yeah, you go, around, you go around the houses with it. And that's why I, I love doing that with you. And the summer series this year is, this is a basically a filler year. Yeah. Next year's going to be the big Thunderdome one. But you would think with it being a filler year, everything would be easy to organize and sort out. This has been the most stressful summer series I have ever tried to organize. And it's it's not getting any easier. And we're in recording mode now. And I'm about, I'm almost halfway through the recordings. And at this point, I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> we haven't even recorded one yet. Like, yeah, we're, 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 we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we're not that you, far guys, off. you guys really should check out the summer series. He started like the, the idea is insane. So like you started with 1970, you had one other host on there. Each person picked five years from each year. So 1970 got 10 movies and yada, yada. They discussed, they put, oop, they put two movies forward and then they made this ultimate list and it started yeah, off so Every year is treated yeah. equally. So for example, like, you know, like a year like 1971 is treated exactly the same as a year like 1977. Which right? is insane so, because 77 like, has what? Suspiria, Hausu, Martin, Rabbit. Yep. It has a lot of good movies while 1971 has The Devils. Yeah, and, and you can only you can like so every <laughs> year, every year gets two picks. And um, so we did that first year of the 70s, it was one host, then I upped it in the 80s, the 90s there was more hosts involved, then the 2000s, I think we'd settled on that, like a team of four or five, yeah. and then um the 2010s, which we did last year, it was huge, it was yeah. massive. So but I foolishly put through three movies that year, which was a big mistake because I wanted to put then like a master list of all 50 years um together but as pointed out i think it was by yourself dave it was like that Wait one second here i see a plan and a flaw in that plan and that is you have all these years now that are missing a third pick so that's essential what this year's doing is rounding out the third pick for every single year 1978 through 2009 and there's a lot of passionate people involved with this year who are picking movies that do not make sense. Like, about that. You are literally the only person that's going to talk about this movie. And there's no way you're swaying 
everyone else on the no, show. I, I so killed my babies. I killed my babies on a lot of them. I was like, well, that doesn't you did, even you did, you were no, I, did. I was like, well, I love Messiah of Evil. It's not going to happen. I love Deadly Spawn. It's not going to happen. But yeah. then some people are like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you got to have some objectivity, a little bit of objectivity. Oh, dude, a little bit, just a little bit. So many of these things that popped up. I think uh, one of the more recent ones, which gave me a, a, a really good chuckle, is our good buddy Dan Chase, who's just adamant on Scream 2. I had to watch, I watched like, Scream, Scream 2 the other 2 day. is never going to make it. It's never in a million years going to make it. And 97 so. is not a good year, so I understand it's one of the best. It, it is, I guess, but yeah. it's just, you're the only one that loves that movie. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. like, it's not... It's just like and at that point you be like that. So why, like, why are we dis- are we discussing on the show? But I didn't want to. Want- I didn't want to be a dick because it's his favorite yeah. movie. So I'm just like, okay, it's the only thing yeah, he wanted. I, so you can't just be like, no, like you gotta. Yeah, you've, got, okay. you've got to be like, you've got to be like, because what what's that conversation going to be like on that? You know what the format is. What's that conversation going to be like? Scream Two is a great movie. Does everyone agree it's the best one? No one agrees. Right. Uh, well, that movie's <laughs> away now. Bye. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been it's been super stressful. I've I've kind of created a rod from my own back now, and I kind of have to deal with it. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. it officially starts um, on the airwaves. The first episode will drop, which will cover 1970, on Monday the 25th of July, and then four days a week, every single week for ten weeks. There will be we're going through each year individually, so you'll have a new episode every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday um each week for 10 weeks so yeah that's that'll be that's that'll be lot. fun that's 40 episodes and, and before i was on the show myself that i went back mm-hmm. and listened to the 70s i just bitched you know just bitch me and jp bitch jp from 22 shots is on there oh that's how i got involved i would just complain but but i understand 70 and 80s like it's not even mistakes were made yeah. because it's just like it is what it it's is not it even wasn't, a, it's not nobody it's knew like the amount of hosts as well like you've got nobody like, knew it was sem- gonna be right yeah. Nobody was like, I only wanted to do the 70s. I only wanted to do the 70s. And I just wanted to do that as a yeah. as a one-off. Every year before that had been a concept idea. Yeah. So I think before that, I did top 10 Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price movies. The year before that was top 10 best and worst horror remakes. Like I like I just picked a concept and ran on it. And the 70s run proved to be super popular that I thought, well, maybe we'll do the 80s. And then, of course, that went on to the 90s and on and on and on. And this is this is where we are now. But the rules get more complicated because I make them more complicated. The voices get more diverse because that's the fun of it. And the conversations are always brilliant. I, like, I always, there's always a point during, like, the recording or the editing where I'm sitting down going, this is, the, like, why do I put myself through this every year? And then by the time the last episode drops, I can sit back proud at that whole season and go, I was just, it was just a great idea. It was worth it was worth it. And it wouldn't be the same without you guys. Like I've said before, any like there's thousands, there are over a thousand episodes of me talking about horror movies on podcasts yeah. under the stairs. Anyone can listen to me. The fun part is the collective group of voices, different ages, different backgrounds. And it's international parts. too, which helps because exactly. if you're centered in America or somewhere else, you get the idea that like. I'm sure Wolf Creek in Australia is like, well, Wolf Creek's the best movie ever made. But in America, 100%. it's like, Wolf Creek's good. Is it top five from its year? Yes. Is it top two? Probably yeah. not in America. This is, but, this is the thing. This is the thing. You know, like you you guys have like a, a passion for certain movies that just weren't either available over here or weren't vice readily versa available too. over here. Yeah. yeah. So so, and that's really what weird. makes it really interesting is like the there's an affinity, especially with the 80s run. There's affinity for a lot, a lot of slasher movies that, like I was like by that point I was already watching 
By the time I was getting into my 80s yeah. movies, I was already watching stuff from Italy. So I'm like, yeah. no, that's my that's my 80s. And you guys are like, well, no, this is my 80s here. And then you, because like, that nostalgia gets hooked into both, you then come away with, well, no, like, well, Argent was such a great director. I really was craving. And you're like, well, I mean, you can like both. but I mean, they're you, both completely different too. Like, I love them for different, different reasons. And like, like 100% different. I'm so. more likely to fight for 70s Wes Craven yeah. over over 70s Argento until it gets to late 70s, if that makes yeah. any sense. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it switches yeah. around. It switches around quite a bit. But, um, but yeah, that's the fun of it. That's the fun. But like like I say, it's, like, it's all for fun. And, and that's why I keep stressing to anyone who listens to it. It's, for, it's a flawed system of doing things. You'll get mad. And, you'll get mad listening. Like you 100%. will, because you're just like, you'll get some person that you're like, that fucking person's bonkers. Yeah, and then the you get some people episode. you don't agree with, yeah. but you, you could see their point. Like Bo, I've, I've listened to, and I've not agreed with him everything because yeah. I, I lived a different life than him. He's older than me. So, so certain movies, and I've seen things at different ages. But every yeah. time he talks, I'm like, I can see where he's coming from. Like, yeah. and some people I hear talking, like, you're fucking on drugs. You're fucking. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I, I don't even know. Like, so you picked this movie. Why? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, gets, it gets like that. But I think I knew it was always going to be. I knew that there was a level of controversy around it, around the picks when we put through <laughs> the 79 episode of was like that, that we have to have one of these episodes every season where I put through Tourist Trap over Phantasm. And, and Zombie. And The Brood. And, and The Brood, yeah. And The Amityville is, Horror, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's The Amityville Horror. Which... Dude, I'd like, like, Tourist Trap shouldn't be on that list right it's like, no, that's the biggest mistake because when you look back you're like well yeah. it's obviously alien and then you're like it's yeah. obviously probably zombie brood or phantasm those are hugely 100%, popular movies internationally movies are like, especially zombie yeah. is this like a, a but phantasm is a huge american movie and then the brood yeah. is just those they has four as four or five great movies from 79 that are in, yeah and tourist which i'm not to the strap i love tourist <laughs> trap too it's in my time i'm the same I, I think it's Blockley talked me around that. It was just like that. We should just be bold, and we should just put through this because. But you didn't know it. it was going to be this, or. But or... I didn't. I didn't realize I was going to be exactly. I didn't realize that five years on, I would have to go back and try and correct decisions made. On, and it's on... still going to be a painful decision on seventy nine because there's three movies that are. I well, yeah, that's that's a bloodbath there. That's yeah, there's that nothing. Not, no one's coming out. Brood and Zombie are two of my all time favorite movies, and the, I the, the Brood might be is, my favorite Cronenberg. Like honestly, it is my like, favorite given day. And it yeah, has I mean, all any given day, I would say. And then Zombie is like you can't like can't take away the importance of Zombie. zombie. Phantasm, and Phantasm, you can't take away the importance of Phantasm. So honestly, like, like yeah. <laughs> it's i'll fight but i don't i don't it has to be one of those three and it's like if it's not one of those three i'll just i'll kill you like yeah those uh, are well, i've not recorded right. that yet so i can't <laughs> I, I can't i can't give it away I, and also I'm, I'm purposely holding my cards close to my chest and that i'm not at this stage public well, i'm not in those shows so i can say whatever i want but as far as like i'm in the 03 and 07 um mm -hmm. you'll be surprised because you know i think i went lightly when it came to the 2000s mm-hmm because I don't have, I love some of those movies. I rate them high, but I don't have an affinity for them. Like I didn't grow yeah. up with them and I haven't watched for 30 years. Movies still get, stay good or still better yeah. and, and whatnot and how they affected the horror genre. The ones from the seventies and eighties I have, and yeah. I've seen yeah. how they impact them. So I'll fight tooth and nail for them because they're more important to me. And I know some people probably feel better about the 2010s or where I don't give a fuck about those movies to be honest. I'm, we did I'm my top hundred favorite movies. Yeah. Ain't very many of years. them past 2000. There's honest. whole years like and there's been conversations in the group chats that I have. There's been whole years where people are like, 
Like, Duncan's not weighing in on this and what that because I don't care about this year at all. Like, you pick anything. Like, the movie that I wanted to go through went through on that year. That's the only one that I'll talk about because when we shortlist them yeah. next year, again, because they're all going to have to fight off against it. They're dead. Five they're, they're, dead and they're dead right away. They're, the they're going to be gone. Like, so they're yeah, gone. pick whatever you want. I don't care. But then there are other years where I'm like, no, if we don't do this, <laughs> like if I don't fix this mistake. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the fun, and that's like we, we all have those different things, and hopefully, hopefully, it turns out as much fun at the end as I've already had recording. Like I say, the first four yeah. four shows. I'm been, sure so. you get on the shows, and there's just some people who are like, I never agree with this person, and yeah. there's some that I look at the summer host, and I'm like, me and this person are not from the same planet, and yeah. I think they're fucking nuts, <laughs> and I just personally they're fine, but I don't like their movie taste, and I think their movie yeah. taste is dog shit. And that's all you have to do is, like I've said it before, it's a numbers game. All you have to do is convince this year, all you have to do is convince four people, uh, three people out with yourself. Yeah. Um, And that's it. If you can get those numbers, it goes through. Don't have to convince everyone. Um, Just just get enough to tip the. So, yeah. And you play, if you play the game smartly, which I have been doing this year. And me too. Like, and some of them, I am playing a little smart. I I have plans for others, but to be honest, There's a lot of shit I don't care about. Mm. I was about to be real pissed if I had to watch Anaconda and Scream 2, though. I, I, yeah, I mean... I was like, I'm not watching both these. Pick, I don't care which. I'm not watching I, fucking four I or five Jerry. movies for 97. I love charity bits, but in no way, shape, or form in any real-world conversation is Anaconda in the top five for even 19. And that's not a great year. Like, 97 no. is not a great year. But I'll be I'll be dead and buried in the ground, as Doug Tilly once said. I was, if, if I was hoping that I was going to get 84, and yep. Doug Tilly was on there. Because yep. I was going to pull out the shovel because there's no way that Friday 13th part four is not making that third one. That's I how I feel. Because what do you say? I, I know, I, I know, I know we're going on. We should end this before we stay the whole summer. Yeah, that, that, that episode, that's, that episode's already recorded. Um, and I can't say I'm looking forward that. to that one big time. So, uh, I appreciate you doing this. You'll be on for Dress to Kill as well. And you know, a lot oh, more about dude, Dress to Kill I can't like, sure. yeah, I honestly cannot wait for Dress to Kill. That is a movie that. My, my love of that movie has got me in so much trouble in the past. 